right, welcome to Post Apocalyptic. This is Robert. This is John. All right, big episode. We might actually get to Southland Tales. Oh, I can't wait. But first up, uh, we can post. How was your week? I heard you went through another assistant editor. <sighs> yeah, they just keep dropping like flies. We <laughs> lost one and uh, got one that we lost back. So it's it's crazy. And just trying to finish, you know, the uh, network is giving us. Basically two days to finish everything. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, we have revolving staff and, you know, trying to get people up to speed. And it's just, it's ridiculous. You right. know? And then when things go wrong, in your mind you go, well, of course, because look at what we're dealing with. But, you know, some guy in a, an office looking at bottom lines doesn't care about, you know, the particulars of what happened. You know, they just want you out and off the books. I'm, they have to be somewhat baffled it's like why do you have 700 assistant editors i mean i'm baffled you know it's just it's crazy i mean we're now we're down to like a couple i would get it in the beginning because i mean your show's actually gone on for a long time and some things when you keep getting pushed on my show we're gonna go through our third we're gonna we're looking for our third editor for one slot so we have a two editor show Mm -hmm. one staying the whole time the first person we hired took the job as a favor to the producers, but had to go to another show. So mm-hmm. he was only there for a few, like two months. Right. Then we have another editor that has to be done in January, but they're hiring him because they really like him. And it's like, we'll just take the fact that we have to find someone else. And then when they say, we have to find someone, that's me. Yeah, of course. Have to find someone that they like. That's understandable because our show is kind of a long one. And if you're pulling a favor, sometimes people move on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with yours, yours just is a rotating staff. Right. I mean, and you're right. It's gone longer than it sh- it was supposed to go. So, yeah, naturally people move on to other things. I just think that, you know, everyone is uh, sort of overwhelmed by the minutia of, you know, the show. And there's just so many moving parts and they change every day. <laughs> It's just bound to happen. It's like trying to find a workflow that works for the entire show. You know, it just it's just not possible. And so, it's funny. Like when you get criticized by people, like why doesn't it work like this? All assistant editors do it like this, and why can't this happen? Like you know, it always happens on every other show. And you know, you remind them that this is probably my thirtieth show. Correct. And I know what I'm doing. <laughs> it's just not like any other. Show. Oh, yeah. So it's like, well, why didn't you know the assistant editor do this? Well, the assistant editor just started this morning, and didn't know anything right. about you know the material, the content needed to get up to speed. Didn't know that there were significant changes. Trying to go, trying to follow another AE's work, you know, right. uh, organization or disorganization and that's the thing too every assistant every yes everything is always the same on every show i mean the the steps every assistant like with every editor has their own style so you bring a different assistant in yeah the job's still the same but everyone goes about getting the job done a different way absolutely so that assistant jumps in going oh he does it this way and then you kind of have to reverse engineer your way to match their way so you can find the material so you can appease the editor yeah, and then, you you know, you spend time, I mean, but you have your way, like you said, but you spend time trying to organize what he or she did into the way you do things, and that just takes time. On top of that, finding out, okay, let me just watch the thing, what is, what's going on here, and then figuring out what has changed, what is outstanding, all these things. I mean, you can't do that in two hours. 
Right. So it's like, oh, then give me a bin, give me give me everything for my session, uh, like in an hour. It's like, oh, okay, well, what, can I get a list? Well, what do you need? And it's like, well, the previous guy knew it all, and then <laughs> he just left. Now I need, I need you to do exactly what he did, uh, having his knowledge of what, you know, what changed, where things are, this oh. kind of thing. Naturally, it's just not, uh, it's not a perfect system. Well, yeah, especially it's like, all right, we're ready to send that scene. What scene? From what? Yeah. And that's, that's all day. Yeah. They know. Yeah, they're angry. They're <laughs> exactly. replacement people out there. They're like, so you, they're like, what scene are you talking about? <laughs> well, I remember, uh, it's funny, I, I, this guy I had worked with in the past, we were hired on a show. I guess the post staff was let go. We never got the reason why. It was one of those, we're changing, you know, because it's always post fault. If you know something doesn't get, oh, you know, it's, it's always our fault. So we stepped in day one, walked in the office, like, okay, we need to figure out where we are. We get a call from the studio yelling at us that we don't, they don't have the current credits. And we told them, we started right now. They're like, still, why don't we have them? We didn't know where they were. We didn't know. And this was when it was still, everything was on a computer, but not everything was fully digital at that point. This was probably... 2000 so you still had all your credits in a file mm-hmm. on a computer but no one left a thumb drive for you and there were still a lot of hard copies of everything so it was just like they were yelling at us for not having something even though it was our first day and then explaining to them it's our first day and they're like well we don't care but we don't know what you're talking about that was the biggest issue is they were mad that they didn't have something we didn't know existed so we we're just like okay we'll get on top of it and then all we did was just go through books trying to figure out what they were talking about and it was like, why are we getting yelled at? Day one. I mean, I get it. They could have went. They could have just just handled it. Oh, you're new. This is what we need, as opposed to figure thinking we knew what was going on. Yeah, that that just seems to be the way the way it is on most shows you get on, and uh, you're given this sort of packet of, hey, this is who you deliver to. These are your deliverables for you know rough cut through final delivery always leave at least one or two maybe more departments out and yeah you get that call where's this why don't i have it and especially if you're coming in like like your assistant coming in i mean granted they were here before but you've had other assistants that have just sort of started cold absolutely you don't know where anything is i mean you have that's why you have a little prep it's like oh i need to go through all this and they're just walking in cold it's like where's this i, I don't know i barely know where my office i don't have a badge i don't know where the bathroom is and you're yelling at me Right, exactly. <laughs> the other day it was like, well, you know that this shot changed, this shot changed. They're new, which rippled, uh, you know, a few other shots before it. Make sure, you know, I have like a ch- either a change EDL or a change list or something like that. So that when I get into the online, they know, okay, now we can just, like, give me a bin so we can just, like, ripple this. You know, I should have said... Just give me a pen of the show. I just realized that, you know, he's like, wait, changed from what? Like, what was the cut that it changed from? Like, do I have that? I don't know where that is. I only know I came in on when the change already happened. Assembled the show, you know, uh, like a month ago. So what's, I don't know. He doesn't know where it's different. What state that's in as opposed (laughs) to this one. I guess I can go back to the file that I got, you know, the check file from the van. But then it's like, at that point, it's like, well, it, it, instead of doing all that work, just give me EDL to show, and then the guy, the online editor, will, you know, make those changes. 
it's nice for them to know that there were changes, what the changes were, because there's so many, you know, parts to this thing um, that if you don't, like for my, our job, you know, if in finishing these things, like if you don't cross every T and dot every I, then something's missing. You know, something's missing, you know, it's a huge failure to everybody. Right. It's simply just, there were so many moving things, it just got missed. We can fix it. But, you know, it's very helpful to have, you know, an assistant editor who's ahead of it and who knows where all the bodies are buried so that, you know, they can flag things and, um, you know, you guys can sort of work together to make sure everything's in there. When the guy's just coming out cold, he doesn't know anything, you know, even workflow processes, you know, um, priorities of who to get things to, you know, he's getting like chewed out by, you know, this department, that department. Why don't I have this? Why don't I have that? He's like, well... I just inherited seven shows, and I don't know anything about them, and I'm only one guy, you know? And then, not only that, you know, you got everybody else coming in. Show me this. What about this? Let's do that, you know? So, Did you have one editor for your whole thing, or did you have two, and now you're down to one? Editor or assistant? Uh, editor. We've had, <laughs> let's see. It's three editors. Okay. We've probably employed about six editors. Okay. Six or Six or seven editors and they've all left for different reasons the ones who have left um you know we had one see it through and we had actually a scoring session the other night and he's on to another show now but he finished this episode Mm -hmm. you know so he's off the show on to another show he came back for the scoring session so every time i see him it's just like wow this guy you know survived (laughs) he he made it the whole way through he's the only he's the only one there are, yeah, multiple editors and assistant editors on <laughs> almost every show. So, but how many do you have now? Like, what is your, what is your editorial staff now? Two. We have okay. two. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of working on the last two uh, parts. Okay. Yeah, and one of them is uh, also working on another show, so he's, I don't know whether he's sleeping or not, but <laughs> it's just like, it's crazy, because we've gone, you know beyond you know the scheduled time so it's you know it's just like basically trying to walk a balance beam and having people you know throw balls and different things at you american gladiator yeah exactly (laughs) it's like why didn't you get across the beam faster it's like what come on you know it's a bit of that and i think that we have we have a good crew and if every day i'm like you know if this were like a sort of a mediocre post team right we would not make it I mean, it's 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 like uphill every day, oh. um, and it's like it's not it. It's not like you can look at the show from a post perspective and say, "Well, this is some massive, you know, visual effects extravaganza thing where there's just so many different things happening." It's not that we do have one element of it that's sort of equal to that, but it's you know legal battles and different things that that happen. Um, with this show and I think that you know we have a post team that's up to the task okay but you know it just it really wouldn't make anybody look bad you know some of these results because like you're throwing things you're throwing these curveballs like all day every day it's just hard it's hard to like make some headway you know um like I was in an online session yesterday and didn't get done half of what I really wanted to get done. <laughs> First of all, I didn't have all the time that I wanted, but I was on borrowed time from another show. It's just like, 
you just have to figure that's the show right know? like I'm in there working really hard trying to like maximize and get every squeeze everything out of the online editor in the in the session but you know when certain things happen where oh yeah right he didn't know because he wasn't this is his not his episode and you right. know, he's just trying to figure out you know some of the stuff doesn't get signed off on because this editor is in with the executive producer are you gonna bother them to say hey can you check this right Ugh. um you know th- th- there's a lot of that um you know i take it all in stride and keep moving you just make checklists yeah just start going through it's like all right i got that done that's next and then yeah. go back and redo it again i mean you make the checklist but it's like oh i got that done and that done oh and then there's what 30 other things that haven't been done today okay no. well i guess we'll save those for tomorrow yeah on the show i'm currently on a little hiccup came up we mix our first one monday which is good everything seems to be mm-hmm. on track i mean it's the best we can be right now right uh i have to title monday and then we found out, this was something that came up a couple of years ago that I guess they're really enforcing is that the DGA for the director's card, whatever your main title font is, mm-hmm. you have to be 40% right. of that. But I guess they didn't do that last year. And if on the our show, we're a one word title, so it's really big. It just kind of pops up on the screen and it's large, it looks okay. I mean, it's a main title. You got, it's a three second main title, like we right. talked about before. No one's doing anything massive. So... But I guess they're saying they're getting really strict about it. And a 40% of the main title is three times the size of what the font was right. last year. Right. And yeah. then we also heard from the Post House is they were saying that now all the cards have to match the director's card. Oh, really? That they're kind of getting that, I guess, then everyone else got up in arm. And it's like, first of all, I don't know why... I don't know, first of all, I don't know where that even came from and why that was something the DGA fought for where I, it, it just seems such a weird thing. It's like, if if your main title is a certain font size, that their card has to be 40% of that font size, which I don't understand, or at least up to 40% of that font size. So I don't understand why that was something they fought for. Did they always feel like their name wasn't large enough? Because generally the credits are always the same size. I mean, every show has their own font and everything, but... Generally, everyone will be the same size all the way through, from starring down to director. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they thought, well, ours needs to be as big as that. It's not like anyone's ever gotten, well, when you get to the director, make it smaller. And then when they put it up, so it would just look weird. Our credits would look normal, and then we'll go to this credit that's four times the size and take up a third of the screen just to do the directed by. Right. And I don't know why they fought for that or how that even came up. Like, they felt like, well, my name looks stupid next to them. And the, usually, the director's the last card you see from the main title. So it's not like you're coming from the main title to the first card. Then maybe I would... Even then, I would still don't. I think I would get it. But you go from a big main title of your show, like if it was... Um, what's a good one title show? I don't know any shows. I, scandal. Mm-hmm. So just a scandal. And if it was really big... Like, I don't understand if it said Scandal. And the next thing was the directed by, and it looked really small or something. So I don't really understand why they fought for that. Or if that was something they fought for and went, look, we don't really want it, but we're putting it on the table and we'll take it off to get something else. Yeah. <clears throat> well, the DGA is the strongest union in the, in the, in the industry. And um, they fought for, uh, like way back in the day, they fought for the uh, last credit mm-hmm. or first credit. After after 
picture or last credit before, um, well, the last credit in the, the opening credits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the reason why, you know, they fought for that was because back in the day in the theaters, you know, they would close the curtains a lot of times, like when the credits happened. Mm-hmm. So they were like, we don't want our credit to be. Uh, not seen because of that curtain so we want it first after picture so that it beats the curtains coming closing okay yeah. um, that of course is <laughs> yeah that's not here. an issue anymore so uh, but that you know that sticks you know it's always the last or the first right um, after picture uh, this 40% thing we were dealing with that on this one I mean I don't know like I can remember the last couple shows we had to deal with this 40% thing and yeah it is weird I mean we sort of mocked up credits for this and like we had you know a developing main title and we're like wow if we do the director like this you know it's gonna look really really weird yeah compared like if you're coming in from I mean even just like the best terms it's like you're coming on like if you think of a word document a Point twelve, or just a 12th uh, font size mm-hmm. to a 36 is basically kind of what it is. You're going from just a regular text that you would type a letter to the largest version right, right after that. And it's it would basically eat up our whole screen. Yeah. And, and I get it. Like, that makes sense. So the, the movie ends if they're doing it that way. Yeah, it's first name. That makes sense on a feature. But then even in the movies that just run it through picture, it's the last card great TV yeah it's the last card there and I don't know any shows that show a director at the end on TV shows I mean maybe like a Netflix show or something but I feel like most of the TV I watch it's you go through the cast producers and director over picture so that's never going to be an issue and I feel like the DGA as powerful it is should have like a TV rule and also, I think existing shows, like, why am I dealing with it now on a second season show? Like, that was already established. Right. If they're going to start really enforcing it, you have to start pilot level. And Now, that makes sense because it's, it's definitely a, a creative process. And, and all the titles and main titles, like, that's all, that's all creative. That all goes through creative and is approved uh, by, you know, um, producers, the network, and everything. So... <clears throat> To settle on something and then, you know, second season or, you know, later go, well, you know, now you have to make it 40%. Uh, yeah, you're right. I don't know if, if it's fair to say, okay, now I have to change creatively. Right, because creative, like when you, you know, as on a pilot or a first season show, they spend so much time on the main title. Mm-hmm. So that would be the time to go, okay, we have to think about the credits have to be like at 40% of that oh okay but I guess one of the loopholes of that rule is like if your show was say it was The Scandal and The was smaller it's based on whatever that letter is whatever the or the average yes or what you could do and I don't know if your your show is uh, is a static thing or mm-hmm. if it like if it drifts and like it starts out small and mm-hmm. then gets bigger, mm-hmm. then it's the average of that sort of oh. drift, and then you could do forty percent of the average of that. Like yeah. for instance, and in ours is more than one uh, word, so and they're different sizes, so oh, it's okay. the average of those font sizes, and then forty percent of that, mm-hmm. then you get this size. Um, 
but, but then of course someone's always figured out a loophole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing someone did was like, I have a loophole. <laughs> right. Exactly. So, okay, here we go. Yeah, because they said that because of what we're talking about, you know, 40% of a large main title is just ridiculous to have, you know, uh, written by Robert Bowles and then, you know, oh, directed by John, like, yeah. what, what is that? <laughs> and like, it takes up your whole screen because right. you had a creative idea that we want the main title to fill the screen because it, that's the style of our show. And then to do a 40% takes up the whole screen. So you're, you're losing a joke, probably, because yeah. that card is going to be over some random yeah, it's photo. Like over, over picture. It's, it's crazy. So, yeah, I don't... I guess I just don't get it because what was their angle on that? Especially on the and now that it's being more enforced now. Like, if it was one of those things, not some weird grandfathered rule from the days, like you were saying, before the curtain would right. close. This was something new. Like, who was mad that their font or like the name because then basically what they're saying is they were mad that their name's not bigger is all they're really fighting for then yeah is well yeah it's written by it's pretty important but my name should be bigger than anyone else and like we were talking about even on the last one especially in TV the director's important like we said mm-hmm. but not in TV like on TV the writer's the king yeah so it's funny to think that they think they have more yes there are some TV shows that are going to be completely different director wise but you're an episodic. That name is just just another name. It's true. It's true. You're a hired hand. Um, yeah, it's it's really ridiculous, and I think you're right. It's sort of like these TGA is really come on. I mean, just like industry wide, there's features, yeah, and then there's everyone else. You know, it's like every TV's like you go to any post facility, and you're like the stepchildren. Like you feel like you feel like you're great until like. You see, like, the feature uh, bay, or you see, like, <laughs> you know, the feature wing. Denzel is in the in the building. Oh, really? Oh, really? You know, just, just how That people... means you can't work today. Yeah, oh. exactly. All right, I guess I went on my own show. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, we did a show where we were at a, a boutique post house. Really great one in Santa Monica. One of those things where they would make fresh lemonade and salad. For the afternoon, and we're like, "Wow, this is nice." <laughs> but we found out their bread and butter was commercials, because commercials spend money like there is, oh, yeah. like it, it's ridiculous the amount of money. So we would be there, and we're like, "Oh my god!" Like the salad seemed even better, and there were more drinks, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh, Nike's here!" Right? And then we were in the basement, you know, with like a tape off guy cutting our show. It's like, why are you doing it? All the good people are taken today. Yeah. <laughs> you have the B team. It's like, oh. Exactly. Say, hey, you want to cut? Sure. Yeah, yeah exactly. You got the guy who's flipping through the book. Exactly. I'm pretty sure I know how to export. Hold on. Let me go through exactly. the manual. Exactly. I got to go. I got to go buff the floors in like five minutes, but I'll be right back. I got lemonade to yeah. serve. I got salad to serve, but you are our top yeah. priority. Exactly. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, the DGA thing. And even when I asked everyone, bring up, no one understands it. It's like no one has gotten like a clear explanation. Oh, really? Like I was like, why? They're like, we don't know. It's what it's a rule. They're cracking down. How? Like, do you get a fine? And if so, why? We're cable show. I, I get it. Rules are rules for every show, and it shouldn't be. Well, you're cable. I just feel like we're you know we're already a bastard child of a cable channel yeah. anyway. So <laughs> it, we should always adhere to the rules. I, I just don't get the director thing. I don't. And, I don't need the forty percent thing. And I know it's. We want to let you guys know that the director is the most important person on the show. And I'm, I'm a director, too, and 
not in the DGA. I just still don't get it. I mean, yeah, the director's important, but it's like you do have the last credit in the opening titles. You do, if it's a movie or mm-hmm. something, you do have the first credit uh, if it's not in the opening. Right. You know, uh, after picture. Like, you have that. Like, you do have a film by. You do have that. You know, you do have, if you look on some posters, directed by Robert, and it's, you know, uh, there's a, a border around. Which they you fought know. for. Yeah, Someone exactly. fought for that. Someone fought for it. So it's like, there's got to be somebody in like a DJ think tank going, how can we make our credit even more uh, imposing? Right. I guess. And the 40%, I don't know how that 40% rule is coming into. Because you know it was like, you know, it started out as 50 and then, you know, there may have been some pushback. And it could have been like someone showed them samples. Look, this is how ridiculous. Right. It's like, look, yes, you should be larger, but this is taking up the whole screen. I think, like, I would have rather them fought for... Because the opening credits are always a standard two seconds. for That's just kind of the standard. I, if they fought for a half a second more, totally on board with right. that. It's like, great. It'll hang up there just a tad longer. But, I, I mean, wouldn't you be slightly embarrassed you're watching a show you directed, say you're, you directed Scandal? Yeah. And you're watching the credits, oh, here comes my name. Oh, God. Right. You know, it's like, it's everything's this standard size, and yours takes up the whole screen. You're like, holy shit, people probably thought I wanted that. Right. <laughs> Make my name twice the size of everyone else's. Because even, you know, um, even though most people probably don't really pay attention to the opening credits, it's still like an aesthetic mm-hmm. choice. So, you know, you're watching something, and all of the fonts are the same size, everything is uniform, it's good, it's good, you're watching. You know, we get used to just these names on the screen as we watch, you know, the program. And then all of a sudden, the last one, bam, it's it's uh, for, like this large font over picture, or or even if it's over black, it's like, it's crazy. It's like, whoa, what, what is that? It's like jarring. So I think creatively you can make an argument mm-hmm. that it's sort of disrupting the flow of the story, the picture, sort of reordering the image in a way that can be off-putting to a viewer and you know you sort of want i think the idea should be that you want to make sure that the director credit is in the most uh important space in that whole credit bed you want it to be able to fold into the you know flow of everything else because like you said earlier now they're wanting all of the credits to be the same. I guess right. all of the credits to be 40. And I wonder if that's just a studio thing so it looks... Look, if the director has to be a little larger, make them all. Because there's no rules. It's just aesthetically, let's keep them all the same size so there isn't that jarring jump. Well, I think that that's what happened on the, the, the show I'm on now. Mm-hmm. Like, we started with the 40% rule mm-hmm. and made sure that that was happening. But we also made all of the other titles uh 40% as right. well. So, so yeah, cuz that's just aesthetically Yeah. I mean, it just wouldn't make sense to have this, you know, all these ones are like 20%, 20%, 20%, 40. And it's like what who wants that? It's yeah, like, it's crazy. I mean, the one there's a director or two. I mean, like a Michael Bay would probably oh, want that. And he's like, "Feel fight for 70." Yeah. <laughs> well, the best part was is the answer I got was, "We'll just change your main title." Oh, okay. Yeah. That's yeah. something that's already been established <laughs> season 1. Exactly. That love that was their first go-to. Oh, like, man. we're right, you change your show. This is a credit. We don't... Yeah. I don't know what you want me to do. So, 
I'm still, and of course our show is half LA and half New York, a corporate style. Mm -hmm. So if when this starts coming up at noon, I'm not getting any answers until the next day. <laughs> it's like it's like right. it's like noon here. It's like oh, so they're already packing up on the East Coast. Oh, you know they're packing up for sure. So uh, most people are like just adhere to the you know forty rule, and I was like, but you don't understand. So I had to show them what it looked like. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you won't <laughs> want that when I actually deliver the show. Like if I deliver the show and you small, 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 large, they're gonna kick of the show back. Of course they will. So. Yeah, it's like a rule that yeah, it's a new rule and it's a rule that you know they don't understand either, and they're like, yeah, let's just make sure it's forty. That that's it. So yeah. make sure it's forty. Because obviously <clears throat> the DGA has these watchdogs and um I've dealt with them. That's it, look this I wanna prove this better be you know, like even in the um in credits, like the DGA cards, well, specifically the one with the assistant directors must be at least, you know, one and a half seconds. Right. And I'm <clears throat> I'm totally fine with that. Yeah. I came in on the show, didn't do that the prior season. Oh. So I was dealing with the DGA, and they were like, uh, give me... I think they wanted just the timings of the, the end cards, mm -hmm. um, just to make sure that they were to spec. thing is, we didn't have... Like, all of the credits mm -hmm. were in this end credit pad. There were oh. no opening credits. Oh, okay. So, we didn't have time mm -hmm. for for that. Oh, I know what show you're talking so, about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I know exactly yeah. what you mean. You do know. And so, in order to... This is another thing. In order to make time, which, I mean, I had no choice. I had to make, you know, the DGA happy. It's just, like, the credits look so ridiculous because, like, you had to, like, they go, they go, they go, they go, they go. Okay, sitting on this card, sitting on this card. Okay, they go, they go. And it's like, yeah, maybe it, it probably accomplishes what they wanted. Like, yeah, see, our card, people know. And it's like, no, but nobody's... Because nobody's looking at these credits. Especially in the end credits when they're squeezed. Yeah. So they can promote another show, which is... Um, yes. Found out from our show, we deliver... It's weird. We deliver the credits over black, which is fine. Or the end credits over black, which is common. Then what they do is they, they don't even lower third them. Because I usually deliver shows where you title it as if it would air. Mm -hmm. Like over picture, like the lower third over black. Because they want that for Canada or something. Yeah. So no, what we do is we just do it over black. Then they code them to put them in the small corner. So if you watch our show, they don't even lower third. It's like lower corner where the bug is and just run them really quick. Oh, got it. <laughs> wow. So it's like, oh, I guess there goes our, why am I spending any time? So like that pause, you'll never see. They'll, you're just watching the show, the tag, and just, just rolling at the bottom somewhere. Yeah. But someone will time it. All right, we got our 1.5 seconds. And then everyone else is like at a half a second. Right. You know, four frames. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I um you remember doing uh, in credits over picture, and then you know having the text list mm -hmm. of that, um so that they could you know do the whole you know lower third or whatever, mm -hmm. and they and they'll redo the the credits themselves, and like it'll be you know back in the day it was just over like you know whatever color that they had. And they'll just like run the credits, you know, at a ridiculous pace. It, it's at whatever pace they really want to run them. Mm -hmm. um, and your credits over black is for Netflix or something like that, or wherever it go, like reruns, right. stuff like that, syndication. But you know, as awesome as you and I think these in credits are, because you're like, oh, I know this person. Oh, it's my credit. Right. Nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody's looking at those credits. I can't even see mine. I right. can give myself more time and it wouldn't even matter. Yeah. Uh, you can't even see, you see can. the credit. 
And you know, on Netflix, I noticed that when those credits come up, immediately they do the whole box, you know, where they have your your the credits, and they put that onto the side, and then they put the uh, next episode or an image of the next episode. Mm-hmm. And said, "Hey, this one's starting in five yeah. seconds." Yeah, yeah. So you have you literally, if you want to watch the credits. That's the only way you're watching the credits because you have to click. You can make it larger. Yeah, again. yeah, yeah. Otherwise, this thing is starting. Well, I found out because doing a Netflix show, they didn't want on our particular show any more than three cast cards at the end. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like, but the weird thing is that we would. We, I was on a show that had a lot of big casts, and everyone asked for a single card. So that was the only way you could get around it because it's like. Well, I have four guest casts. They all require a single card, and I have a guest starring, which had five people on the card. Mm-hmm. They're like, okay. Because those are still rules. You have to abide by those rules. But if you had guest and co-star, no single required, they just go slam them on three cards. Didn't matter how many. Because for Netflix, they can't move your show smaller until after the cast. So when you get through, like, co-producer, AP, then it goes guest cast, guest cast, guest cast. And whatever's after guest cast, which is usually music, is when it'll go small. So huh. they want to get to it. They want to basically shrink your show as much as possible, but somehow they made a deal where you couldn't do it until after the guest cast. So that's when it... And it's funny, though, because it's like... It's not like your show will start in 30 more seconds when the credits are over. No, it'll start in 10 seconds. You know what I mean? Which is yeah. funny, because it's not like it's rolling it out until the credits end. You can just... It'll just be 10 seconds, because usually they're halfway done. Like, it'll move up. You still have another 20 seconds of credit suck. So, like, I never understood even why even title for Netflix. <laughs> like, no one cares. It's just, like, people are just skipping to the next. I do that. I feel bad. You like, know, I mean, I I was trying to be... Because, I, I mean, I like looking at the credits, but uh, I may be weird, but I... I do always do on the first couple, and then yeah, after a while... Yeah, I on the first couple, exactly. And I'm like, yeah, okay, it's the same name. Why, why am I... Yeah, let's move on, you know, um... But it's it's just to me it just says something to where they move you on. It's just because of our attention spans and and they want us to to keep watching. Mm-hmm. And so they now there's this sort of disconnect in your brain when you just watch these names roll up over black, and especially if it's after something like House of Cards, where you have a long credit. Yeah, they have, yeah, they have like a minute and a half yeah. or something like that. And it's like after, you know in that minute and a half you can go, you know what? I should go take out the trash. I should start again. I should do this. I should do that. You know? So it's like, they don't want that. They want like, boom, you're back into it. Well, and it's uh, funny too. Like we started, uh, I forgot what we were watching, maybe Penny Dreadful or something, or even Luke Cage. And it's funny that it'll do that. It'll go small. And then you skip to the next one. It'll skip the main title and just start into the show. Like if there's a, either a recap or a main title, it'll go, because all of a sudden it's starting and it's two minutes in. Mm-hmm. But if you rewind, it just skipped the main title, which seemed somehow not right. Like somehow that's a contractual, because usually the main titles, uh, especially with the Netflix shows where all the cards are, you're watching it and it goes, hey, next show starts in 10 seconds or you can click it. So you click it, show just starts right into the next one. Wow. And they're like, we, we want to make sure you're not you're not <laughs> getting up, checking your phone, right. anything. You're just, you're just sitting there just being like a... Was that South Park with the uh, World of Warcraft where they're just, oh. like, they're just <laughs> everybody's getting larger? Yeah, they were all super fat yeah. and just like slumped over in front of their computer. <laughs> <laughs> they, they just don't want you to move at all. No, it's like, you, oh, you're watching uh, Luke Cage? Well, you're not getting up for the next 12 hours. Exactly. We have 12 episodes, we have 12 hours of content. You're watching it. I mean, it does. I mean, think about it. It does promote that. It, it's 
that's what they want you to do. You literally have to stop because when the show ends, you're like, what time? Okay, I have to go to bed. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Can't watch three more of these because I don't have another Marvel show until what, March or something. Right. Now. It's like, oh, look, I want to savor Luke Cage. I watched one. Take a little break. Yeah, now, now yeah, I'm starting to do that too. Like, you sort of like, you know, in the in binge watching is, is what people do. But is I mean, we all binge watch, binge watch. But you know, now you sort of like, wait a minute, I just, all right, I want to savor it. I want to kind of wait a little bit. I don't want to like blow my wad, so to speak, yeah. in one sitting, which yeah. you could, you know. Yeah, you could take your weekend and say, you know what, I'm just gonna catch up on everything and yeah. not move you know it's it's laying in your own filth exactly <laughs> it's like rob what, what's going on at home uh, netflix oh okay I guess. I, you know omar's coming That's yeah, all exactly. I'm, saying. <laughs> I'm not getting up ever again almost i did that i, I binge watched uh the wire um yeah i was like this one was unemployed <laughs> i just like binge watched all like at that time it was only four seasons and the fifth one hadn't aired yet and uh yeah, it was just like you're like I'm gonna be ready. Yeah, for fifth season, I am gonna crank. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm so ready. You know, I mean, with so much, so many uh, outlets, you know, for for content, you know, it it's that's the way it's going. And right. It's interesting working on network television and how like backwards it seems. <laughs> you know, yeah. Of how these like. What has been the case for decades now seems arbitrary. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's why are we, you know, finishing like this? Why do we have these dates? Why do we have these um, stupid rules and deadlines? And, you know, you have seasons and you have um, all these all these things. And it's like it's a rigorous network TV is really rigorous because of all the deadlines and the, and the, and the rules. You know, what if you have like a cable show? You know, you have a little bit more leeway. Now it's born out of the network. You know, it's not like you can spend, you know, ten months on ten episodes. Although I've done that, <laughs> um, um, but it's it's still it's like you, you get a lot more like kind of leeway with with cable. But uh, the networks is just like, no, we need it now. We need it now. We need it now. Cancel. You know. Yeah. It's it's just it's it's crazy. It's like, yeah, we're going to start two months before air, and hopefully you guys can give us an episode. Right. It's like, okay, you can do that, right? And then can you do, like, the seventh one? Can you uh, finish that before the sixth one? Because we want to air that. I know it airs tomorrow, but can you do it? Yeah. It's like, okay. Well, you realize that all of our guys are going to be in overtime, and uh, we probably have to work weekends. Okay. And it's like, oh, but yesterday you were cream, uh, uh, screaming about the fact that, you know, we don't want to spend any more money. <laughs> we're over budget, this. And then once the network goes, hey, can we air this? And the studio goes, okay, sure. Well, and two, it's that weird thing of them, even when the ratings start coming in and you're sliding, they're like, no, we're still behind you. So let's reorder things. And it's like, oh, we're getting canceled. Yeah. <laughs> and the, the biggest uh, clue of you guys getting canceled is when you get that call from that one executive who's like, Oh yeah, she she doesn't want any more dailies. She yeah. doesn't want any more cuts. So you don't have to worry about going to her house tonight. Then you go, okay, I need to print my resume because yeah, uh, yeah we're getting done. And every time that's happened, mm-hmm. you knew, <laughs> you knew. Every time that happened, we were done within like a week or two. Yeah, because at first you're excited. You're like, good people. They're they're at first you're like. 
they like the show. They don't need to see any more of it. And then it's like, oh, no, they're clearing yeah, it. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want to deal with this anymore. Because, you know, it's like you and me. It's like if you have something that you like to watch, aren't you going to watch it? Yeah. You know, it's like some of these executives have these shows that they really want to watch. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it may be an A season, but they really like it. But they have so much to do. And you're right. If they can clear their plate, they will. It's not like you guys, although I have been on a show that uh, this did happen, but but that show is an island. But 99.9% mm-hmm. of the time, it's like, it's, not, it's never like, you guys are so great mm-hmm. that I don't need to see anymore. Oh. That That's not usually the case. This right. is my case on one show, but that's not the case. Well, and that, I mean, yes, there's probably a few times where people are like, Look, I'm one person that just needs to make sure it's running on track. I don't need... And then it's like, it's one thing if they're just cutting off dailies. Look, I want it because I was a little worried at first with casting or the look of the show, but I'm happy now. But still give me cuts. When they don't want cuts anymore, is that's when you're worried. Dailies, I think... Because the dailies do fall off. Uh, well, when there was disc dailies. Now, I don't think with an email, no one ever calls going, I don't want these anymore. Because they just can ignore the email. Because yeah. I think at first it's always like, what is this show we're investing in? Okay, all right, it's looking okay. Mm-hmm. It's looking okay. I don't need dailies. No, anymore. you're right. The cuts are definitely more yeah. telling for sure. Right. Yeah, because yeah. all of a sudden it's like, yeah, and especially if it's a digital delivery. I, yeah, you don't have to send me the link anymore. Oh God, they don't even want to delete the email anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they just, it's like I don't want to do anything. Just take me out of the loop. Yeah, I was working at a studio, and uh, it was a show, not mine, that was so awful, and it was. You know, around the uh, executive camp, you know, it was like, oh, my God, this show is just really bad. That, you know, the uh, the main production executive was like, uh, I think he called and said, I do not want any more cuts. Please just, I don't want, like, anything from this show. <laughs> and this guy had everything. Like, he got everything. <laughs> like, he would never really turn away. But, like, he made it a point to call him and say, look himself and say I, I just don't please don't send me this show anymore I, I, I don't want it you know it's like I think even the crew and cast were like I don't know why we're still shooting because yeah. the show is just not bad like not good it was one of those things where I think it had gotten green lit because it was something that was good okay. and then I think you had a lot of cooks in the kitchen and mm-hmm. then it turned into something that was vastly different from what, you know, the creator, you know, brought to the table in the beginning. And so, like, it completely went off the rails and it went to shit. And so, uh, oh man, it was like all around, you know, not funny, uh, could, you know, borderline racist. Oh, jeez. Sexist <laughs> and just, it, it, I mean, it was like, it was it was terrible. And oh they were like, "This God. is this is bad all the way around." Like it was one of those things where it's just like painful to watch. <laughs> and when you <laughs> when you think about a comedy, you don't be like painful to watch unless it's something like you know um, you know something funny, but like it's talking about an, uh, a subject matter that may not be. sort of cringeworthy, yeah. but in a in a good way, like yeah. it's sort of like a the British Office, yes, where it's more like you're uncomfortable because of the way they are, not because they're making you uncomfortable because they're racist. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> but this one was the other like lazy 
racism. Oh. <laughs> How does it even get to that point? I like, don't know. Well, the show's pretty good. I mean, they hire new writers, or we don't know what to do with it. It's such a bizarre notion. I think I think it's what it was like. We want it like this, and then the next day, no, we want it like this. We want it like this, but it's sort of some sort of back and forth of maybe trying to appease what you know seven executives want, mm-hmm. and they all want different things. And it's like I want the show just to be on the air, right? And it just turns into a like a mush of just everything bad. Well, it's such a, I mean, like, I mean, everyone's talked about it. It's such a bizarre notion that it's like, here's one idea. We'll shoot it for you. I guess this could be good. Like you're, I mean, now everything's in a, like a matrix of, well, all these people are hot or these stories are really good for this current time. I mean, everything, it's like broken down. The pilot's barely a pilot anymore. So there's breaking it down to like who would like it, but it's such a weird notion. It's like, all right, here's $3 million. What do you think? That's okay. Guess we'll do a couple more of those. It's such a bizarre. Yeah. That whole pilot thing is so such a bizarre notion. Yeah, it, and that's another thing that the holdover from uh, back in the day, the pilot, like pilot sees the greenlit, the green light. So many pilots. I think that recently they there are certain studios have greenlit more pilots than they've ever have. You know, mm-hmm. right after the writer strike, you know that just went down significantly, and then it gradually came back up. But you're right. I mean, these things are very expensive. And most of them don't work on their own. And then there are some that just don't work for the network and their schedule yeah. and, and what they want to buy for whatever reason. You know, it's not necessarily about is it good or not. It's like, you're right, how can we plug this into marketing and how can we, you know, maximize our dollar with this? And if you can't, you know, um, then, you know, you move on. I mean, there's some great pilots that don't get picked up and do get picked up from other networks but that's really rare yeah it's well, just i was gonna say sometimes too it's contracts it's like look yeah. it's okay but this will finish the contract for this set actor we're under terms with this we like these executive producers so we'll just make this work <laughs> yeah and it's that too it's like we want to we want to be in business with jj abrams we want to be in business with these guys because these guys turn out content that seems to be getting a lot of traction in the feature right. world and and, and, and and definitely in TV. So it's you know in our best interest to to make this to try to make this work because you know they're going to generate revenue and I get that you know it's all obviously motivated by business. That's not when the pilots started uh, uh, when we started doing pilots. That's not how it worked. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a mentor who was a big-time executive at CBS, you know, back in the day. He was saying... Did you convince him to release Michael J. Fox from... <laughs> <laughs> I did, exactly. <laughs> yeah, he was... He, right, he was, he was just saying, you know, they gave shows chances back in the day. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> it wasn't all about, you know, now, now it's about the bottom line, that's it. But back in the day, they just sort of wanted to, to see how these things would do. That's why you have, like, All in the Family, you know, which is a great show, but it started out, it tanked, yeah. you know, and and if that were on today, which it really couldn't because <laughs> of the content, but like if that were on today, it would never get a shot. Everybody Loves Raymond just was terrible, right. you know, on Friday nights, and they moved to Monday, a genius move, and all of a sudden, you know, it started coming yeah. up. But it's like, to be a programmer back then was something of an art you know now it's just like 
you are sort of beholden to like shareholders and, and CEOs. And if you're not generating the revenue, and I get it, it's just a business to them. If you're not generating the revenue right now, then you got to cut it. You got to right. cut your fat. Well, and that's the thing. Like, uh, I mean, the famous ones too are just like with those. You also had Cheers. Mm-hmm. Cheers did terrible season one, but yeah. there was someone there. It's like, you know, I like it. Let's try it. You know, one more season. But even their terrible was still probably 15 a rating of 15 as opposed right, exactly. to now, which is a one. <laughs> exactly. And then the other one was Seinfeld and I think even Ellen. Seinfeld too, yeah, yeah. Like their first seasons weren't very good, but it just sort of maybe they moved it. Someone was like, there's something here. We'll give it one more shot as opposed to now it's like one more shot means one more episode. Yeah. Not another season. And now, now, now shows are getting picked up for like three, yeah. four. You got five episodes more. It's like, there's no commitment. You know, there used to be like a back nine. It used to be, we'll green light 13 for, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, sometimes it went the whole season, which was like 22 or 24. If you were like, everybody loves Raymond mm-hmm. or Seinfeld or something like that. It used to be 13 episodes, which is a pilot plus 12. And then, you know, if you did well enough, They'll green light you for the whole season, which means a back nine, which means, you know, you get to 22. You know, I was on a show where we got 13 episodes. And then, you know, it's one of those things where it's like the ratings weren't that good. And um, they just came to us and said, they came to the executive producer and said, uh, yeah, these ratings aren't good. We want you to get this number. And, you know, the EP is like, well, I mean, we can't. Just go get a yeah, number. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, well, well, great. We'll promote us more. I see there's a couple shows, new shows that end up being really huge um, that you're promoting all the time. We don't think that those shows need help because they're doing really well. Why don't you throw us some more bones and then we can get, you know, better ratings. And they're like, well, you know, make choices. So, nope. Uh, it's like, look, want, Scandal doesn't need another this, billboard. Exactly. Um, can you take one Scandal billboard down? put our show up maybe you know or put it up with the scandal we're after scandal let us know you know right exactly so yeah. uh, and they're like no um you just have to you have to get the better ratings and i guess it's it's sort <laughs> just of just like, get better ratings yeah it's like, it's sort of like make a better show you know i mean i thought the show was good i mean i i i just don't know how you can do that i mean that's what marketing is for yeah it's for to promote the show but um you know, now, yeah, now, in, oh, so in that show, you know, we got a pickup, and it was so surprising, you know, like, you know, my fellow uh, PA at the time was, yeah, we got the back six, and I'm like, <laughs> what? wait, did you say, you mean, you flipped that, you mean the nine, the yeah, back you just nine. saw it, you yeah. saw it written down, <laughs> and looked at it upside down, he's <laughs> like, yeah, we got back six, we, I'm like, back six, I've, I've never heard of it, at that right. point, I've never heard of a a sort of a, a partial pickup and it was a six episodes and it was like oh oh okay and then so the thing about i don't know about you but the thing about like when you get on that bubble you mm-hmm. know you start to think are we or aren't we like every day like are we are we good we're we good today okay then you can like breathe you know um it's always like if you air on tuesday you go on wednesday how are the ratings yeah we're we were okay okay I'm comfortable enough for the rest of the week. But if right. all of a sudden it's like, oh, we went down another half a point. Ugh. Right. And, like, you can always take the temperature of the writer's room mm-hmm. that Wednesday. 
because you know if you see some some one of the writers come out of the room, get coffee, not saying anything, <laughs> head down, you go off. You know. <laughs> and it's like this sort of it's crazy because I haven't worked on a show that was live like that where, you know, we were airing while we were Oh, okay. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while, yeah. In a while. Which is good not yeah. to do that. But like <clears throat> when you're doing that, it's just like it doesn't take long for them to cancel stuff. I mean, they'll cancel you after the first or second episode now. And so just to like figure out, like, are we working longer or are we not? Should I look for another job? That kind of got, for me, kind of got old. But it's like, it's it's not a good feeling. Yeah. You know? Um, because, as you know, you can be good mm-hmm. and get a pickup. And then all of a sudden, like, there's a dip in the ratings. And then they could be like, hmm. It can also take some back as well yeah your nine goes to reduce to seven or six and yeah. you're like oh because there's some there's some penalties that have to be like if they ordered the scripts like they'll have to pay the writers they'll have to right. pay all this but they don't have to pay all the production and stuff like that so they'll, yeah. they'll eat that yeah it's easier to eat that cost than <laughs> yeah uh, so you never so you never really know if you're uh if you're solid if you're if your uh, employment is solid and that that's what i didn't like about it um but right now with uh, YouTube, Netflix, um, and basically everything, the internet in general and everything else, there's so many things that can pull your attention away right. that when you, like we said, when you get the one and the twos, like, everybody's like, wow, this is great. This is awesome. <laughs> You're like, you got a one or two, you've been laughed at. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I was on a show where we did okay. We ended up getting a full season, but the only advertise, only posters I ever saw of our show we're on the lot where we shot our show. Wow. And I was like, this is probably not the best place to market our <laughs> show. Is you you go outside world, no posters. On the lot, they had three. I was like, this is not that's almost like putting an, a poster in your office. Come watch the show. Totally. Me. My the only person. But ours, we got a a script order of three. That was our first <laughs> and we we're like, hey, we got a script order of three. And even then I was like, whatever. Yeah. Like I think I was working with someone who she was a feature editor. And this was her first TV. She's like, oh, that's good. That means we get more. No, no, no. That means they want to see three scripts. That means nothing. Just polish your resume. <laughs> yeah, but then we ended up getting yeah. a, a full. We ended up, they saw the scripts and our ratings after the mi- initial dip balanced out, leveled. And they're like, all right, you're not going, you're not dropping too far from the lead in, which was a more popular show. And your show after you isn't dropping. So we kind of had that happy medium where we weren't destroying the show behind us. We weren't falling off too much. We were just medium right. or whatever. So they're like, okay, you can have your full 22. Yeah, that's that's something that I learned too, um, that we got three episodes, but they, no, they ordered three scripts. And that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I mean, when I first learned that, I mean, I was just so dejected. I was like, oh, so wait a minute, how's that? Fair for them to just order scripts, yeah, and not order episodes. Like, when will we know if they order extra episodes? Well, they'll they'll tell you whenever they tell you. We don't know. And that's such a weird notion too, because you at that point, say you've already aired five, and they want to see more scripts. Is like, wouldn't it just be like, hey, where do you want to take the show? Yeah. Seems like that could be just a conversation they have with an EP as opposed to paying for scripts, unless that's some sort of yeah, writers guild deal might, where it's like, no, we won't tell you what the next we won't tell you what episode 14 is until you pay us for a script but it does seem like 
if you have an executive on your side, so where are you taking this storyline? Oh, we're going to arc her this way. Oh, okay, interesting. But it just seems weird. It's like, ah, I'll just order a script. You know, I mean, you still have to pay that writer. So I don't know. It must have come from the DGA where you can't show all your cards or something. It's like, we can't, you can't take a, you can't tell them about episodes you're not paid for yet. Because right now they're technically paying you for 13 or Pilot Plus 12. You can't tell them what the next episode is. Well, if it's not a rule, I think it should be. Like, I, I'm on board with that too, because then they would be just calling you and say, hey, what's, uh, what are you thinking? You know, um, which I'm sure they do, but... Because you always have someone, for the most part, there's always... Whatever studio picks your thing up, there's always someone that likes it, for the most part. So that's always your champion. You always hope for that person to be on your side. And I can imagine that person does call up, oh, man, we really like the way, you know, the kid looks. Mm -hmm. Can we get more kid scripts? Oh, we were thinking that, too. Because, you know, (laughs) agree with them. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Yeah, we're just hashing that out. It's definitely the the whole like script order thing. It, it, it is a, a rule, like even down to the fact that you have to buy. I think it's two scripts uh, every season from someone not on the staff, right? From a, from a, uh, someone in a D- WGA. Um, you don't have to make them, but you have to buy them. Um, Such a. I mean, I get, it's a great thing. Yeah. But it's bizarre. Yeah. Or if you don't buy them you get fined sweet so I wonder what the fine is compared to like buying the script it's like look it's cheaper just to pay the fine okay well the, the fine the fine is cheaper but I think the fine is the, the reason why the fine is there is because um, they want you to you know buy scripts from other writers they want to get and isn't that why that generally why the writer's assistant always gets a script yeah. You know, there's always... It's like all of a sudden you see the name, you're like, good for them. Oh, right. Yeah. That's their outside script. And hopefully huh. that... I'm sure that writer assistant's going to write the shit out of that script because they want... Totally. I mean, they're going to get the credit, but they want to make sure they're, you know, put up their best, you know, material or whatever. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, the writer's assistant. I mean, I think it's awesome. Like, I always think it's awesome when the writer's assistant every time that happens I'm like so happy for that writer's assistant because every time that happens there's like 50 other times where the writer's assistant has no chance right. of getting um, a script or it doesn't even necessarily have to be a full script it could be a story by or yeah. you know uh, or co-writing credit mm-hmm. or something like that you know these sort of the WGA and the DGA, like they're good. Like they're they got some good, um, good lawyers or arbiters or whatever uh, fighting for them uh, because they get they get stuff done. I mean, you look at you and me. Like who's fighting on our behalf? Well, you're gonna have to pay. Like if you have Rob on a show, like you're gonna have to pay him for the full season even if you get canceled. Right. Like, no, nobody's nobody's doing that. You know. No. Trust me. No yeah. one is doing that. <laughs> it's like. Wow, so you have to buy two scripts that you don't even make, but you just have to buy them. That's 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 part of the deal. And it's like, wow, like and, and what, it's good that? because it is promoting other people, so it's not all just and once again the writers room's full of writers, so that's always a good thing, but it is you're promoting other people. And and once again, I'm sure most of the people they go out to scripts are people they know. Yeah. They're, you know, it's like, well, we like this person anyway, so you, but you're still that person gets one more credit. Mm-hmm. So you never know who that person is. Could be 
J.J. Abrams that writes that script, and then right. oh, it's like, oh, wow, we uh, we discovered J.J. Abrams. No, and that's how that's how it works. And you know, I mean, because the showrunners they have to read these scripts. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've seen them. You know, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, got a bunch of scripts I have to read. <laughs> you know, so um, but there's one, and you know, their assistants also read them. So th- there's this can be one that you go, wow, this is really good. I'm gonna call this person in. Yeah, you know, and so otherwise, it's really hard to get on these shows. I know, like after the writers' strike, it was really hard to get um, on a show, and so like these writers' assistants jobs. A lot of writers were like trying to get these writers' assistants jobs. It was like agents were calling, <laughs> you know, the showrunners like, "Hey, can I get my guy as a writers' assistant?" You know, because that was that still is the best way to like, you know get you know a writer position on the show and that's weird because uh, as we were talking about before like with uh ken whittingham like that's not always the way you become a director that's not and it's also not the the exact right path to go either it's not like oh i'm assistant director i'll be directing in a year some of those people never do yeah and sure. some of them are okay with that some of them that's not their life goal anyways it's yeah. like no I've, i'm at where i'm happy at mm-hmm. whereas the writer's assistant is probably the only one where that is the correct path. I mean, yes, you can write on your own and maybe sell independently and get on it, but it's funny how there's never anyone on a writer's assistant. No, I'm good. It's always be a writer's assistant. Yeah. I don't really, really want to write. I like just helping. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> That's true. Good for you. But it's it's funny how that is a the correct path for a writer on TV, which is, is weird because most every other job, most people just fall into. Like, you don't... It's like, oh, how do I become, you know, an associate producer in post? Well, I mean, you have to be a post. But there's the route to go, but right. it's not exactly the right route. And, you know, you always just want to move up. You mostly end up just moving up out of default. Right. And then that's just sort of your thing. It's like, I guess this is what I'm doing now. Is this, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm an AP now yeah. <laughs> only because I guess that's what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I, it wasn't my set out plan. It's like, oh, man, I can't wait to be in post managing editors. That's my goal. Right. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I guess I'm doing that now. <laughs> Yeah, and I don't know about you, but when you run into somebody who's like, "What do you want to be?" I'm oh, post producer. Yeah. I go like, "Wait, wait, what?" Uh, post producer. You want like you want to be post- like that's like, and you're young. Like yeah. that's what you really. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw you know what post producers do, and I really want to be a post producer. I'm like, wow. I've I've ran one. into that like once or twice. I was kind of baffled. Yeah. And once again, there it's not a bad job. I like my job. No, no, totally. it, it's fine, but it's like. It's not something you... It's like with a lot of jobs, you fall into it. Like, even a line producer. Like, I, although my current PA wants to be a line producer. And I was like, no one wants to be a line producer. You just end up being good at it. Yeah. And then that's all you do. It's like, I'm I mean, just, what a... He- I mean, it's... You get paid, you know, pay well, but what a headache that yeah. job is. It's like oh the worst God. of the jobs. It's, like, it's insane. But, yeah, so it's um, funny how the writer's assistant is the key in to yeah. being a writer and um, a funny a friend of mine just uh, he knew someone I think he went to the Nakatomi Towers mm-hmm. um, at Fox to pitch he had an idea and he was able to get into a pitch and I was like just mention The Rock mention yeah, totally <laughs> like, wait, I'm picturing The Rock in this and, and then all and of a sudden it perks up like go on Kevin Hart yeah. <laughs> Josh Gad exactly. just keep uh, naming whoever is like, buzzy can you get my checkbook please yeah this um, is great they didn't buy it right away, but they did uh, ask him to write the spec. And I was like, wow, that's good. But once again, when it's you, like... When you say act, was that for money? or No, not for money, though. Oh, so okay. it's like, 
damn it. Is that that's the one time they can kind of get you. It's I like, expect, yeah. well, no, I want I want to check for it. Well, we don't even know if we want it. We like your pitch. And I, he had an outline, and, I mean, he had written some of it. He didn't go in cold with nothing. But it was just sort of like, oh, we'd love to read the finished product. And it's like, well, at least that's a path. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something. but it, No, no, that's I think that's <laughs> great, you know. Um, for writers, you know, I mean, a lot of them are really frustrated, especially after the writer's strike. So they're like, oh, they're not paying any writers anymore. And, like, to... For your friend to be brought in and for them to say well write this back you know who knows where that's going to go but at least that's better than you know we'll pass yeah oh we or we already have something like that in the yeah. pipeline yeah. it's like no you don't uh get, get writing on the, yeah, yeah. Get, <laughs> get get so-and-so in here and tell them to write you know something exactly like this is yeah. what they would do <laughs> we have a car movie already yeah. oh damn it yeah it's called uh uh, what is that one with the uh, fish or fish? It's like a truck and a. It's written by the guy who did. Uh, is it Jurassic? Oh, monster truck. Monster truck. It's an alien, rather. Alien. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know why I'm thinking fish. I'm thinking of a dolphin in a truck. Maybe that's that's the next movie. Dolphin in a truck. That's the sequel. Dolphin tail meets monster <laughs> you know someone's pitched that way though it's like of course. look that's really good in the christian community and then someone will like the kids yeah so it's dolphin tail meets monster truck yeah it's like with a little twist of fast and the furious oh d- d- yeah. please <laughs> where do i sign yeah i that's got to be the worst because i think i would i'd be horrible in pitching like i would just throw out a bunch of ideas i would just like I would almost Donald Trump it. Oh, that room, that tested well. I'm going to keep going that way. Yeah. But it, it's so hard because it's like that's the best way. Like when everything was die hard on a die hard on a boat, die hard on a plane. Yeah. But that was probably the best way to sell anything was. So what is under siege? It's die hard on a boat with Steven Seagal. And someone just opened their checkbook. I, I think the tone <laughs> happens. And, you know, you always malign that. Like, I wish I had taken... Um, when I was going to USC, they had a pitch class. And I wish I had taken it. I just couldn't take it because uh, of my uh, course load. But Jesus, if I like were going into a room right now, and they have pitch, uh, like a pitch fest, and they have all these things that you can do. But I, uh, I don't know if I were in a room right now. It's like okay, pitch us something. It's like I really would love to be in on some pitches, mm-hmm. some successful pitches, because there are people who can write. But can't pitch. There's some right. people, you know, vice versa, and some people who are special people who are good at pitching and writing. Yeah, you know. So to get into a room, to have you know a bunch of executives sort of sitting around going, "All right, wow, what's what yeah. you got?" You know, uh, you sort of have to, you know, from talking to some people, you, you have to have this little song and dance where you kind of go and you know you have all your materials and this and that and figure out where it's going to go and then. Probably the biggest part of it is fielding the questions of, okay, where is this going? What is this character? What is their arc? What, uh, you know, where, where is this, the, are the whole uh, entire arc of the story going? Like, how can you extrapolate this into, you know, multiple seasons? Yeah. You know, I just don't see it, you know? And then you try to defend the fact that, oh, no, no, no. Well, actually, in season two, they go to outer space, and, yeah. you know. <laughs> Darth Vader comes in and says, oh, okay, now we have to license Darth Vader. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Then season three, Omar's coming. Yeah, exactly. And the guy just drops a mic and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely an art uh, to, to pitching. Um, I know that 
the show, uh, Martin, the creator of that, walked in with a, I think he worked so hard on a pitch for a show. So he walked in and, you know, he did his song and dance and he's like, you know, he was really behind it. And they liked it, but they didn't love it. So they passed and did the whole, well, what else you got? And he's like, um, hmm, well, I was thinking about this show, you know, with this DJ and Detroit and, you know, and a comedian and just sort of, think, sort of making up stuff. Mm-hmm. And then they go, great, we'll order 13. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he's like, okay, sure, now I gotta go write Martin. It's that whole thing that kind of happens when, That's you know, you work hard on... And, you know, I think it was uh, Stephen Cannell who did, um, like, the Magnum P.I. and a <laughs> bunch of those shows back in the day. Maybe even Knight Rider. And he owned, yeah. like, the early to late 80s with the same show. Right. Different skin. Totally. And he was like, you know, what I did, it was like, I, I treated it like for every pitch that I uh, went into, like, I had... No, I think he had like nine or ten other ideas for oh, okay. shows. He's like, it was, of course, a lot of work, but they they sort of go down the list. Do you pitch them and they go, eh, no, what else you got? Eh, no, what else you got? Eh, because no. it could be like maybe they did like the pitch for your show, but it was like something that they didn't want. It's like, well, let's, because I'm sure there's some where you pitch and they're like, all right, awesome, thanks. And then you walk out the room. And then I'm sure there's some when you're pitching, it's like, it's not what we want, but when are, let, let's see what else is floating in this guy's mind. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I guess if, like, you're right, if you're a good enough pitcher and the project is good, but maybe not okay for the network, yeah. studio, or whatever, and you know, like you, they might want to hear about something else, you know? You get just to the point. It's about conference room. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it overlooks. Los Angeles, yeah. <laughs> just like just picking up little. You're like Kaiser Sozane, and you're just looking around the room, and it's like, who drinks? Was that decaf coffee? Decaf. <laughs> super, super awesome superstar executive. You know, <laughs> start pumping it up. Super stylish. You know, kind of like you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Just off <laughs> So imagine you. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, let's just say it's you. Let's say driving a Joe. red Ferrari. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you start looking out. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The um, my wife knows uh, a person that knows the person that wrote uh, Enchanted, okay. and and it was sort of the same way. I think he's really good at writing, and his business partner at the time was good at selling his ideas. So, because mm-hmm. I can imagine, I mean, you're the guy that I mean, it's just weird. Like we were talking about before, like Fast and the Furious, like pitching that just seems bizarre because i know it was like obviously written based on a, a small article but it's like say it's undercover cop and racing cars okay sure or yeah. did i mean like what is that pitch i mean because at the time there's hey we got the kid from we i know what you did last summer i think he was in that i have yeah. no idea what paul walker was in prior to that and we have that other guy that he's kind of goofy and bald <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you're gonna be paying 25 million to eventually totally. but i mean paul walker in that one <laughs> That was like, okay. So he's like, we got Paul Walker. This guy is going to be the next big thing. And he was because actually, I mean, I'm giving him shit for like, I know what you did last summer, which I don't even think that's it. I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm just completely wrong with that. Might have been, oh, that was Ryan Phillippe. Um, right. But he had a couple smallish things prior. Like his trajectory 
was correct yeah. to be in Fast and the Furious. He wasn't like just a nobody. He was on the right path at that point. Like that's the perfect film. I'm gonna look it up because I'm angry that I'm mixing him up with Ryan Phillippe, who actually I really like. But his trajectory was correct at that time because he had done like I, he had, I think he had done a couple teen films. That was mm-hmm. sort of his jam, and he's God, he is Mister Perfect. Like when you think of we need an undercover cop who's kind of pretty, Paul Walker. There it is, and that was it. So yeah, <laughs> so they thought he was gonna be you know here's a guy that's a breakout role. You got a nice, you know, sexy cast. You know, marketing is great because you got these cars and everything. Yeah. They had no idea about a guy, you know, named Vin Diesel. <laughs> and he ended up being, you know... Yeah, the he's customer. the... And and that's what's so funny is that I would definitely say most of the Paul Walker films that I remember that I actually saw are m- much better than most of the Vin Diesel ones. As much as I'll watch all the Vin Diesel ones the way I watch, you know... The Rock and Nick Cage and all these people. Mm-hmm. It's Paul Walker's. Most of them were pretty good, like substantial real films, as opposed to just Vin Diesel beating people up. Right, exactly. You know? When was Fast and the Fierce? Ninety nine. Jesus. Oh yeah, he had Varsity Blues. She's all that. Oh, okay. Pleasantville episode of Touched by the Angel. CBS special. Okay. I mean, those. We all saw that. Oh, he did an episode of Who's the Boss? Really? 91, though. Like, that okay. was at the, like at the tail end. Yeah, at the tail end of it. Oh, he did a couple episodes of Highway to Heaven. Really? Yeah. He was a kid. I mean, good for him. Highway to Heaven. Michael Landon. Fast and the Furious. Okay, so yeah, The Skulls was the movie right before Fast and the Furious. Okay. And that was yeah. Yeah, Joshua Jackson and everything in it. So then all of a sudden, it's like he was the right. It's like, oh, we need a pretty boy. He was so 90s mm-hmm. pretty boy. And, That's and, exactly what he was, the pretty yeah. boy. So, uh-huh. yeah, they wanted, uh, you know, the, the next heartthrob or whatever. Right, and that was it. And although I'm looking at the films, not a lot of them were that great. I think I remember them better in my head because <laughs> I like Paul Walker. It's like, oh, it's a solid film. Yeah. Timeline. Remember Timeline? Mm-hmm. That was pretty good. Was that uh, Donner? No. Oh, Richard Donner. Richard Donner. Whoa, Look at you. nailed it. <laughs> I think I was excited because it was a Richard Donner movie about mm-hmm. time travel, and I was like, "Oh, I'm you got me." But then it was not really like a good film. And uh, yeah, Goonies. And you know, based on a Michael Crichton book. I mean, so uh, there was a lot going for that movie. Gerard Butler's in it. Would you have guessed that? I would. No, have. I really. Ethan Embry, Matt Craven, Michael Sheen. Might have to revisit this. Yeah. Like a solid cast. I'm gonna have to. Little watch. I'm not, but yeah. <laughs> I'll say it now and everything. Um, Dick Donner. What is Dick Donner doing? He's still alive, right? I think. Okay. Also, now I feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> what is he? Doing? He hasn't directed anything since 16 Blocks. Solid film. Yeah. That was uh, wow. Yeah, that was it. Wow. His uh, Lethal Weapon Four timeline. 16 Blocks. That's it. And it was that Laura Schuler done it, like, uh, his wife, I think. Mm-hmm. He's also a big-time producer. Yeah, she does a lot more than I think he does. Yeah. And you know he's not direct, he hasn't directed since then because he just doesn't want to. It's like, he's a, like, he's a He's definitely one where it's like, I would rather do something that I feel I want to do. Yeah. Like, he's definitely at that point now where he also, like, he's born in 1930, so he's not rushing to, right. to make anything and... Um, and is that comeback movie Goonies 2? He's a producer on it, okay. but I don't think he's directing it, which I think, nothing against him, I think it's smart. Don't taint whatever you're doing right. with that, unless Goonies 2 would have been fine like a couple years later or something like that, or yeah. even like five, ten years later, but we're at a point now where it's like, it's like you can put my name on it. Yeah. And I'll answer some questions for you, but I don't want to be involved with your <laughs> uh, Goonies 2 shenanigans. 
And does Corey Feldman somehow maneuver his way into a director oh my God. position on that movie? Like Straight to video? Yes. <laughs> uh, if we're talking about Lost Boys 3 or something, or 4, yes, I don't think... Uh, I don't think Feldman is. Uh, Feldman will do the soundtrack for oh, he you. He absolutely do. He won't do the movie unless he does the soundtrack. Oh, God. That would be awesome. Um, <laughs> uh, Laura Shimona Donner is... She does nothing but produce. Yeah, she's a, she's a, she didn't have to. Yeah, oh, right. She's all in that uh, the Fox Marvel family because oh, wow. it's... You know, pre-production on Deadpool 2, Logan, she's, Legion, Constantine 2, Gambit, X-Men TV show. She's just laying on money every night. She's just resting on money. Yeah, X-Men Apocalypse, Deadpool, uh, Days of Future Past, The Wolverine. So you just keep like... You just have to have her on. Right. Timeline, of course. Yeah. Uh, Timeline. Mr. Mom, St. Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink. Dave, radio. She has nothing but hits. Like if she's, you just look at it, it's like yeah. I mean, I I want my her you know, attached to my project too. There is no. There's like movies I'm not a fan of, but there's nothing terrible on her. Like Mr. Mom, Lady Hawk, Saint Elmo's Fire, Pretty in Pink, Three Fugitives. Which I mean, it was okay. It was cute. That was a uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Martin Short with a little girl. Oh right, 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 right. I, terrible that I know that. Radio Flyer, Dave, <laughs> Free Willy. See, there are some things in there that could be considered, like in hindsight, you know, the hits, but yeah. it could be like a like a risk, like Free Willy, like a when boy in his whale. When Free Willy <laughs> came out, I was like, okay, that's going nowhere. Yeah, big, huge. I mean, a huge hit. I mean, this is what we two have. Two sequels. Tale. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why we have two Dolphin yeah, Tales. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget, there was a sequel uh, to Dolphin Tale. Free Willy. All right, I'm gonna look it up. Any guess on box office? I know it was north of 100. I'm guessing 150. All right. Free Willy. They made three. Three free... Th- three of them? Yeah, they made three of them. Just wow. so you know. No budget. It doesn't tell me the budget. 153 million. Wow. That was good in 93 for oh, a movie, was, A Kid and His Whale. It was like, like... Yeah, it was like... It just came out of the box, like, Free Willy. And yeah. then the, the song, Michael Jackson, I guess, was, was a big... Michael Jackson did the song? That that song. Oh. That was in there. Oh wow. I don't yeah. yeah, that was that that's only way I know anything about yeah, the it. cassette single yeah. of that. Yeah, 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 the cassette single. Speaking of box office, Boo, a Medea Halloween is trending to be the number one this weekend. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you know, I mean you dress up in like I know he's like, Oh man, I have to dress up in this drag again but i mean i don't think he thinks about that he sees the dress it's just made of money yeah that dress I mean, is gold i think <laughs> that that's what's keeping him doing i mean because even i think i heard a comment about it, not wanting to have to do that anymore but I mean, that's that's what people that's what drives you know yeah so if that's the case it'll God, so basically 30 million dollar weekend for a 20 million dollar movie oh wow <laughs> written directed and starring of course. and produced by of um Good for him. Uh, genre, comedy, fat suit. This is what they put it in. At, uh, <laughs> and it's number 26 in the fat suit uh, genre. Really? There's a fat, There's a suit, fat suit genre? Comedy, drama. Mrs. Doubtfire is number one. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Austin Powers, gold member. There's one character in yeah. it, but it's, you know, it is what it is. Is this based on box office? Box office. Okay. The Santa Claus. Santa Claus 2. Mm-hmm. The Nutty Professor. Nutty Professor 2. Right. Hairspray. Who's in a fat suit and hairspray? Uh, John Travolta. Oh. Sadly. <laughs> uh, Big Mama's House. 
I was about to say probably Big Mama's house is in there. Uh, Dodgeball. I don't know anyone in that. Um, I don't remember the movie well enough. To, someone was in a fat suit. Apparently. Oh, I think not just Vince Vaughn. <laughs> Vince Vaughn just lost weight. Uh, <laughs> uh, I think um, Ben Stiller was fat at one point, and I think that was like a okay. callback or something. Tyler Perry's Medea goes to jail. Okay. Uh, another Santa Claus. Shall How. Big Mama's house. Tyler Perry's Medea's witness protection. Medea's family reunion. <laughs> Death becomes her. Listen up. Does, does Meryl Streep blow someone gets... I feel like that might be a vague, yeah. a bit fateful. 19 through 21 is uh, Medea's Big Happy Family, <laughs> Medea Christmas, Diary of a Mad Black Woman, Fat Albert, Big Big Mamas, Like Father, Like Son. It was the third one in okay. the series. Uh, and then I think Martin Lawrence's partner had to dress up like a fat person. I don't know. It was... <laughs> And then at number 26 is uh, Boo a Medea. <laughs> so basically the fat suit genre is owned by, uh, owned by Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry. which uh, good for him. Tyler Perry's fat suit genre. Yeah, Big Mamas, like Father Like Son, cost 32, made 82. So, I mean, you but can't. what you just said about, I don't know, uh, his Martin Lawrence's friend had to get in a fat suit. That was the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So what do you think about number three? His partner yeah. has to dress up like an old woman too. Sure. Yeah. What's your What's your projected budget? Yeah. Twenty five. I mean, because yeah. that that Big Mama's house was that's the mainstream Tyler Perry movie. Yeah. I mean, I know Ty, Tyler Perry's movies make money, but they're not like a Martin Lawrence mm-hmm. who's doing Tyler Perry basically. So, like Big Mama's house too cost forty, made one hundred and thirty eight. It's why you had Big Mamas. Yeah. Which I didn't even know was a uh, thing. So, big mamas. Uh, where was it? Big. I want to look at the first one. Cost thirty, made one seventy three. Is that what's wrong with Wait, this country? What? <laughs> which which one was that? Big Mama's house, the first one. Oh, cost wow. uh, thirty, yeah, big hit. made one seventy three. Don't you feel bad about us in general as people? <laughs> big Mama's house. Wow. I don't know. I mean, whatever. It was directed by the guy that did uh, Scooby Doo. Okay. Well, then, there you go. This guy is... He works. His biggest hit is Beverly Hills Chihuahua, by the way. But he did Home Alone 3, Never Been Kissed, Big Mama's House, Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo 2, Yours, Mine, and Ours remake, Beverly Hills Chihuahua, and Smurfs 1 and 2. He doesn't stop working. No. He just does not make anything good. He's got, like, a niche. It's like, yeah. It's like, what do you what do you want to make? I don't know. <laughs> hey, Smurfs 2. Sure. Yeah. Why, why not? It's funny because I know the writer of um, Beverly Hills uh, Chihuahua mm-hmm. basically bought him a house because they started making See? the sequels. It yeah. was the same with uh, what Gary uh, for Fast yeah. and the Furious. It's basically free money every yeah. two years. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, hey, we're doing another one. Great. Thanks. I'll take the character yeah. rights or whatever. So I mean, who would have thought, though? Come on. Beverly Hills Chihuahua, which I'm sure he probably wrote going, well, look, they bought it. Like, yeah, like, who thought they would make the first one? You know, even when the, the trailer came, I was like, what, really? This is... Well, and you know that was like, I wonder if he went in. Here's my pitch. What else you got? Uh, talking chihuahuas? Good idea. Yeah. Fuck, I don't want to make that one. <laughs> exactly. Or that was number 10. What what else you got? Yeah. My God, I was writing this thing for my my daughter. Yeah. I was talking chihuahua. Intriguing. Tell me more. Yeah. Oh, dear God. <laughs> and he just on the fly the rest of it. And it was like... We want that one. 
he just pitched like you know the the next installment of the Born series. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we'll pass Beverly Hills Chihuahua. Great. We uh, got a title. Chihuahua lives in Beverly Hills. Close. Yeah, close. I got a better one. Beverly Hills Chihuahua. And that guy got a raise. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to talk about I, Hey Watch is going to be more just a discussion. I watched a uh, small indie film called Frequently Asked Questions About Time Travel. British film mm. about time travel. Quaint, cute, nothing to really even... It was just one I saw and I went, that's intriguing. I love time travel movies. But it's mostly about time travel movies. Probably because of Back to the Future has always been my fascination with those and done right. Now I feel like now they're not... Like the last good one I saw was... Um, I was going to say Paranormal Activity. Project Almanac. Did you see Project Almanac? I did I didn't. I'm ashamed to say I didn't because one of the writers uh, of that movie was a writer on a show I was working on at the time it came out. Oh, so, <laughs> out of uh, protest? Yeah. No, no, but I. No, no, oh. absolutely not. It's just that I just didn't have the. I'll just say the job sort of was so demanding that oh. like, any free time I had oh, okay. was probably spent sleeping. Oh, God. It, I think what intrigued me with that, that was a different spin in the. Um, it was the found footage, which I'm not a fan of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're done right. Like, Project Almanac's done perfect with found footage. I mean, there's always a place for any movie, really. Project Almanac was uh, it was really intriguing because he goes up. They're in the attic, cleaning out the attic. And he finds the video camera, I think, that his dad used or something. And he's um, watching video of his, like, ninth birthday. And this kid's, like, 18. And for a quick frame, he sees in a mirror a reflection of him at the current age. So he's like, guys, what is this? And he's already like into tech and stuff. They explain all that later. So then he finds his dad's files. His dad was working on time travel. Uh, So he finishes the project and all his friends are filming him. So he has three core friends and his sister that that's how they move the cameras around and everything. Yeah. So it was done really, really well. And it gets to the point where he ends up with through all the work of building the time machine he ends up spilling something on a shirt he's wearing that looks exactly like the shirt in the video because all of a sudden he spilled something they're working and he goes wait a minute they went back and went this might actually be real because it looked just like how he looked in it and i was like wow this is it was those are the ones where i got excited again yeah it's like oh my god i love time travel because in the movie i recently saw the frequently asked questions is there's they were talking about the rules and it's funny how it, time travel doesn't exist, but we have rules for it, which I think makes me laugh. Like, they're just theories. Like, see yourself or touch yourself because, you know, paradox, or you'll both, like, you know, cease to exist. And it's like, based on what? Like, I mean, there's rules for other things because yeah. there are things we can understand. Like, in space, don't do this. Well, because we know you'll die. But it's funny how, and I think that's what it was in my main discussion was, like, how we know there's rules, but they're not based on anything. So you can sort of like vampires or whatever. It's like, you can make your own rules. Like, that's why if there's a good movie that comes out, it's like, yeah. why can't he walk during the day? Oh, that's a myth. Cool, you can kind of make up your own rules no, as long really. as you follow within the guidelines yeah. of what people are used to seeing. So they did a really good thing where they did they did that once where they, were, they ran into one of their previous selves and when they got close enough, they saw each other, they started glitching. So they did a really good thing where they were kind of fading in and out really quick. I was like, oh, what an interesting yeah. idea and effect. But I, I was just it made me laugh that we have these rules on something that doesn't exist. It's like, because I'll even watch a time travel movie going, bullshit. Yeah. 
Why? No, they can do whatever they want. There's no set rules of time travel. Yeah, that's true. Um, I know when I went to that Q&A for uh, Back to the Future, um, you know, Zemeckis was just talking about, you know, just setting the the rules in the world. Um, Same thing. It's like, there's no, like, rules to time travel. But we kind of wanted to get it down. Well, yeah, because that helps structurally your story. Like, you want a set of rules that you're characters have to live by because if not then you 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 have a weird path like yeah if you have your set rules like zemeckis created that works within that movie exactly so and you have to stay you know true to the parameters of that world that you created and i think something that was very intriguing what he said was in all the previous time travel movies like all of a sudden you can go from Burbank, California, and travel to, you know, 1700s England. Mm -hmm. And he's like, he's like, I don't know if that's true. Like, that's why I had Marty, like, travel to the same place. Like, he couldn't travel somewhere else. He had to travel back in time, but back in time in the same spot where he is. Yeah, if he wanted to go to England, he'd have to be in England with the DeLorean to then go to England at a different time. Exactly. And I wonder how many rules that we, that movies follow based on Back to the Future. Well, we can't do that. Oh, right. Why? Oh, because I watched Back to the Future. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's just sort of your, like, fallback. You go, oh, yeah, okay, this is is a time travel movie that I love. And that's kind of how time travel probably is. Yeah, like we use that as a a historical document. Yeah. Well, you know, that's that's what they did. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) well, you know, that's not true. Yeah, and and, and, uh, Looper, when uh, Ryan uh, Johnson is is, uh, talking about, like, he talked about the world and he said, I just spent a lot of time just getting the world down and the rules down uh, before I did anything. And then I just had to stay true to whatever rules that were. And I think that that's the big part of it. I mean, you just think about any sort of fantasy movie and you go, wow, you know, like J.J. Abrams, he's of course has like 90,000 projects, you know, that he's <laughs> dealing with. And almost all of them, you know, involve some sort of mystical thing where this person can do this and he can't do this and you know but then this dragon comes in or this you know and you go at first listen I'm like oh this is just has no basis in reality you know it's told in a certain way I'm talking about any fan yeah yeah it's told in a certain way where you go it sets up the world it sets up the rules go you know and then you're completely completely on board with it in that, and that's why time travel works. I mean, that that's where we want to go. We want to go on this adventure, whatever it is. But you kind of better, you know, follow those those rules. And you're right. It's like, why can't you? Why can't you know, uh, vampires come out like during the day? Why why are they relegated to the night? Oh well, you know, in a horror movie, like, you don't want to see a vampire during the day. It'd be like kind of hilarious. But at night, it's kind of yeah. menacing. Yeah, I I, I don't know, um, because. It sort of made sense when Zemeckis was talking about the whole location thing, because if I could travel from here to like nineteenth century, nineteenth uh, century England, it's like, well, then I could do it. Then I can do anything, right? You know. And he's like, well, I don't want him to be able to do anything. I don't want him. I want him there to be some limits to this thing where, you know, it could probably more 
believable if now he's in the same spot as opposed to now he's like a magistrate in you know England somewhere right back you know in the um, 1800s or something well yeah and because then it's that weird thing of like of like okay we have the time circuits okay I want to go to Hill Valley like then you're yeah. just adding one more yeah. level where like that that was it was probably just out of the need of no we'll just travel wherever he is is where he is yeah. and that's kind of like what Project Almanac was wherever they went they were at that exact same spot but they were just in but it was funny is that they took it to the level where they never went too far back they would um there was one where it was kind of funny where they decided that they would always travel together so they knew because when they came back one time one thing was changed and then they realized okay we have to be really careful so they did one where they kept jumping to see if this guy could pass a test because so he went in there it was like an oral report or something got it wrong jumped through time did it again then he did the whole thing, and they're like, well, what about this? He didn't have an answer because he didn't know the teacher was going to ask it because he changed the path. Like, Because when he failed it, it was because he didn't know one thing. So then when he did know it, the teacher asked another question. He didn't know that because he never got to that point. Got it. So they just kept doing it, and it was like, dude, this is our 30th time. Yeah. So they got to the point where they would just like skip a couple and tell you how much time. And then, then it got really interesting because he messed something up, so he decided to jump on his own, and it just kept changing everything and he just had a board where he was trying to like all right if i go here i can fix that one thing but then i'll have to jump here to avoid that and it was like he just ended up going insane and that's why then he eventually uh why did he go back oh he went back to stop his dad from making the machine which was around the time of that birthday video so when he went back he saw himself in the mirror went oh shit now it's actually i'm in the loop so he goes downstairs to talk to his dad about it and then it was kind of interesting. So when he told his dad not to do it, his dad destroys it, and then he dies. Did he die? I don't know. He just sort of disappeared or something. And then that video camera ended up in the attic, and you're like, "Oh, so this was the loop." You cut to where the where the main character goes to find the camera, and his sister that's with him is going, "There's two. So then he did it twice. So there were two cameras up there. I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." So the loops always continually going and just slightly changing, and it was. They had their own rules, a lot of Back to the Future rules and yeah. stuff, which it was funny. It was like, it's like you always base everything on that yeah, yeah, one totally. movie, but they, you know, they always jumped within their space and every little thing affected. Like, I think he came home and his dad was alive and his dad had passed away. So I was like, well, that's really interesting. But it was funny that they never went back farther than his own timeline. So they never said we can't go any farther and we can't go. I don't think they ever went to the future. They always went in the past. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, that's. And it was like small enough where he condensed it where it was on a backpack, which I thought was kind of interesting, as opposed to having a DeLorean and you need space. So he would just hit the button and they would all, like if they were close enough, which is like, and then we'd be there. I was like, oh, that's an interesting, I think what it was, they did the found footage, which I'm not a fan of, worked, and the time travel movie that worked. Yeah. Because some of them, like, timeline was a little, not high concept, but it was that, from what I remember, timeline is they could go back in time, but they set it up more as a tourist thing. So you can go back and kill dinosaurs or something. I don't know. It was like, I think there was some way where they set up for hunting, which I think was ended up being what Jurassic Park 2 was about, right? Didn't they go to the island to hunt dinosaurs? Yeah. Maybe I'm I think I'm merging both those. To, uh, I think that there was a... Yeah, I, I mean, as I remember it... Because I remember on Timeline, they could only walk on a certain path in the past because they were studying stuff and then... One guy actually stepped on a bug, 
And then when they came back, everything was different. And it was like, oh, that's kind of... But eh, timeline was just so... They didn't have rules. I think that might have been it. Is their rules were loose. And maybe that's why time travel movies yeah. have to work or don't work or have to be based on the rules. I think, predetermined rules. Yeah. I think that... <clears throat> yeah. For one brilliant thing about uh, Back to the Future... Uh, just from a production standpoint, is that you know you, you're not all of a sudden in you know uh, you know Korea or somewhere. Right. It's like you, you can like redress that set just a different way. You can shoot basically, you know, within the season of Family Ties. Right. It's sort of easier for us to process. I think you stepping out of this uh, out that door right now and walking into what this place was like 30 years ago. Correct. You know, and it's really interesting. Now, if you walk out this door and step into Saigon 19, you know, 61. Right. It, yeah, it's like time travel. You're different. The surroundings are different. You know, it's a different time. But at the same time, it's like, oh, well, this is a completely different place. Right. So where if you stepped out of, out of this door and it was... 2016 Saigon it still would be way different you know? right and, and that would be the thing you would need your Doc Brown to tell you look we don't we'll know I can tell you what year you're going I can't tell you where you're going in that year yeah. like you and that's probably why Back to the Future works so well is that if you had two scientists well and it's a great film yeah. but if you had two scientists that were time traveling you wouldn't want them talking to each other about rules because it's like they would already know those rules. Whereas you had Marty who didn't know. So Doc could always just filter him the rules, which is us, the audience. Like they could always tell us the rules without us feeling stupid. You know, because if yeah. you had like, I think Timeline, they were all scientists and this was all. So they didn't really tell you unless something happened. You know, you're not supposed to do that. Oh, I didn't know that. Whereas Doc was always like, like in the second one, watch out for your future self. Or your, watch out for the self that you're already here. You know, because then a paradox and stuff right. like that. It's like, oh, okay. And then don't talk to... Like, he was always filtering rules to Marty, which helped us. The audience going, oh, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, no, no, definitely. I think it it, uh, it definitely set up... That that movie is, like, set up and pay off textbook. I mean, that that's all they do. And it's, it's such a brilliant script. But it does... It lays out in a fun way. But uh, it lays out the rules... Um, perfectly and it's always laid out through either action or through character it's never like you never feel bogged down by the rules that's sort of the uh, the challenge in making those movies it's not like you don't want to feed so much information to to the viewer where okay this happens this happens this happens this happens in a fun way it just has to happen Mm -hmm. but there can't be, like, so many rules that, like, you don't even know what's going on. Right. Marty drives, you know, up to 88 miles an hour, and all of a sudden we're right where we are. But, like, you know, 40 years, uh, 30 years ago, it's like, okay, now now, now I get it. Now, I don't know, there's something that happens in your brain where you're like, okay, now I kind of know what's going to happen. Now, all of his surroundings are the same except for, you know, the 30 years in the past. Right, yeah, because he drives by where, you know, the line of states where he yeah. lives, and it's just the, the thing hasn't been built yet. Right. And it's like, oh, and that is probably the... And it showed 
how far everything kind of was, even though, like, logistically, we don't know where anything is. But it's like he travels from the Twin Pine Malls to the Twin Pine Farms. Mm -hmm. And then he starts driving. You're like, oh, my God, everything seems farther because it was 30 years ago. So it wasn't as he couldn't just skateboard there like he always did in the movie. So, yeah, I think that's what it was. It's like, yeah, when he hits that and goes back for the first time, it's like, like you said, logically... He didn't go, I'm in England now. Yeah. How'd you end up in England? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not thinking about that. You're like, yeah, immediately you go, okay, yeah, so you're in the same spot. It's like, okay. And I think that's what Zemeckis was saying. He was like, it just doesn't make sense for him to can be able to like then go a distance, you know, right. uh, around the world. No, he's back in the day now, but, you know, he's in the same spot where he was. And then you can kind of get, you know. And he never, and that, and they were also smart enough to never bring it up. It wasn't like, I mean, obviously it's written that way, but it wasn't like Marty's like, hey, let's go here. No, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. can just go to, if we want to go to England, we have to fly to England. And we'll have to bring the door right, exactly. with us, you exactly. know. Exactly. They never, you're right, they never brought that up. Um, and that's another big part of these movies, never bringing shit up. Yeah, if you, once you start bringing it up, then you have to answer the question. Yeah. If you don't want to bring it up, just don't say it. Yeah. And... And, I, yeah, it's it's funny to think that someone like Zemeckis, who was just working on a script that was, that was it. It was like, oh, I'm, I have to make the rules because I have to shoot this thing. And it's like, I want to stay in this town. Basically, my rule is I want to travel 30 years ago to this town. And then, he like, his this kid runs into his parents and he tries to help the parents. Like, oh, that's great. But it's like, great, I just need just rules. Just a few. And he probably took some of his sci-fi rules from the movies he grew up with. Like, I don't know what his... Time Traveler, no, with the uh, the one with Roddy McDowell, Um, where he made the Time Machine. Time Machine. Which is then H.G. Wells. I just wonder if that was, like, his idea was based on, not his idea was based on that, but I wonder if that's where he got some of his rules, because I don't remember that movie very well, or the book. I think Time Machine, though, was the, like, everyone's time travel movies, that is where they start. Yeah. That's where Zemeckis and uh, Bob Gale, they started with that. The time mm-hmm. machine. And so it was like Time Machine, Bob Gale looking to his mom's, you know, yearbook mm-hmm. and got this sort of idea, you know, while he was at home on break from USC. And then, you know, that movie was born. Wow. And, you know, it's an iconic movie now. Um, and it's so funny, too, because all those things that worked and I, I wonder if that was like a thing where it's like, oh, he has a time machine, but it has to get to a certain speed because then that'll work in the end because he has to drive it's not just the car itself it's like you need the lightning and the speed at the same time which makes a great thing because like had that movie been doc i made a time machine all you have to do is just hit a button the delorean yeah you know or it's just a box or something then it's like that peril of getting the car that has to get there because it's like there's no plutonium you know it's like it's such a great device that i wonder if always started that way the speed it's like oh we have to go to there and i wondered I mean, because once again, I've read about it, but you don't hear about it. Like, wonder how they came up with 88. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know. Like, such a weird, like, number. I mean, in the movie, it makes sense because he's driving to avoid the, the Libyans. Yes. It's like, obviously, he gets close, but you're driving around. So if it was 30 miles, he would have already disappeared. Like, 88 was... Because I wonder if it was like, oh, he has to get to, like, 55 miles. But what if he's chasing them in the parking lot and hits 50? Oh, good point. Right. Like, it's 88. Like, it's such a term now. 88 miles per hour is in the lexicon right you know more than Jake Sully from Avatar yet like that's just a number they came up with like probably to them was 88 seems like a good one right right okay we all agree like that wasn't a magic number to them you know yeah that's that's yeah I don't know I, I don't know if that was 
ass. It's the 88 miles an hour. Um, but you're right, like, it's such an action-oriented thing, you know. It could have been like, yeah, just push this button and suddenly you're there. You just drive, hit a button, and you can yeah. drive this time machine anywhere you want to go. Exactly. Or why don't you just drive the car to the clock tower, put that device up against the wire, and then wants to just sit in your car and once the thing hits, you know. But yeah, because that could have been it. It's like you're in it and you get there and it's like, oh, but there'll be no plutonium. It'll be a strike of lightning. Oh, they'll know because maybe that was already hit, the clock tower part. Then it's like the lightning will just go straight into the machine. Yeah. Like before maybe they even had a car. It'll go right into the machine. And it's like, great. Yeah. I think if the movie was made in the 90s or 2000s and 88 was like the year I graduated or something. It's like, right. wh- how'd you come up with that? I don't know. 88 was a good, you know double number it's easy to say it was the year I graduated high school or it was the year I wrote the script so I kind of put that in there like 88 just a random yeah because it could have been 100 I wonder if that get this thing up to 100 miles yeah oh, okay that makes sense because back the, you know but back then it was like wow 100 miles an hour that's that makes sense That the time travel makes sense at 100 miles an hour yeah because it's also like you know you have a DeLorean so like not not that I, mean, I don't know how many cars are doing going up to 88 at this right. point but like if you got something like that, you want to make sure that, like, oh, it's it's at a speed that this DeLorean is capable of doing. Comfortably. And, and that's why it's in the DeLorean. I mean, it's in the DeLorean because, you know, it, it was just something really cool that they wanted to put into it. That's right. why it's a DeLorean. And it could have been a backpack. It could yeah. have been a, you know, a thermos right. or whatever. But it's, uh, you know, it's that. And thankfully it is because it's like every time you see a DeLorean, you think, oh, shit, where, where's he going? Yeah, and I always want one. Yeah, Every exactly. Time I, one, like, I know they're not good cars, yeah. but I want one so bad. No. <laughs> they're uh, manufacturing them again. Some company bought the DeLorean name uh-huh. and is selling a DeLorean at the end of this year or something. They're, they're in small production. Okay. They're like 85 to 100 grand, though. It's, yeah. I'm okay. <laughs> but because basically all they're doing, it's not a new version of the DeLorean. Uh-huh. I mean, all the components are new. It's still the same shell. They basically recreated the DeLorean shell, but have all new parts in it, basically. Okay. So it's, I don't know, it's like I see it going, yeah, really? 85 grand? Yeah. And you can get a, a legit DeLorean for 25,000. I mean, still, I don't. They're right. terrible cars. <laughs> like, everyone I know, they're just like, you just drive it because it's a DeLorean. Right. If that movie didn't come out, you would see maybe one at like a. a collector show so, oh there's that guy that you know made an aluminum car or whatever it's like or a stainless steel car oh that's kind of cool you know like you would see one at a museum right now you just see one you're like oh my god the DeLorean I need the DeLorean yeah. you see one around here you're like oh wow is they make, are they making a movie with this sort of Back to the Future 4 is that, is that happening alright I'm in I'm in yeah. everyone <laughs> god I know please is that a movie that can be remade everything can be remade Back to I, the Future do you think anyone would touch that movie definitely not it's like remaking Star Wars. You yeah. Know? The, the two movies, in my opinion, the two movies that have the most um, lasting effect on pop culture have been Star Wars, which is far and away number one, mm-hmm. and Avatar. No, and, <laughs> and, um, and Back to the Future. Two movies, like forever. No, I mean, you cannot remake. Could you Force Awakens it, make a sequel to the um, Star I don't because I feel like with Back to the Future is such a closed story. I like all those three. I mean, once again, you could. There's gonna there's someone that could write that movie, and it, it could probably be really really good. With Star Wars, it was it was one story, but 
there were other storylines going so on. Like, many. it was just basically Marty fixing shit. And that was all he, you know, was really doing, was fixing his own timeline. Whereas Star Wars, you had all the characters, and you had all these multiple stories. Each each one was something different of an overstarring art. Like, each Back to the Future was him fixing the mistakes he just made. Right. I think, I think it would be hard, because there's no reason for me to believe that the studio didn't go to um, they'd have to go to both they'd have to go to Spielberg and um, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale and say we would really like a Back to the Future 4 I mean because it did well yeah uh, one thing uh, Zemeckis did say he said he sort of say cringed but didn't really like the fact of doing a sequel Right. He's not a sequel director. And so this was, you know, something that he felt, you know, fans wanted and that's yeah. what he needed to do. Uh, but, like, he doesn't really like to, to work that way in the sequels. Yeah. So the fact that he did three, and he shot <clears throat> two and three at the same time, I think, because he didn't want to be, like, so basically spending two. himself. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Yeah. So I'm sure they came to both of them in Zemeckis. Like I said, it's a closed story. I, I'm definitely not doing it, um, and Spielberg would have definitely backed him up on that. Um, it's like, no, we, we want to move on, you mm-hmm. know, and not even have like you know a Jurassic Park sort of thing where it's like, okay, let's give other directors, yeah, Star Wars, which has right so many storylines. I mean, the Rogue One, yeah, which you know, if you think about Rogue One within the timeline of the whole Star Wars saga, you know, it sort of fits in between. Uh, a couple but mm-hmm. like I can see just watching the trailer the other day I was like I, I can see this thing branching off into more yeah Rogue One Part 2 yeah, yeah exactly so it's like and it does it does have many many different stories out there many different kids kid shows mm-hmm. novels there are all these things that are from the Star Wars universe yeah endless Back to the Future I just think that because he doesn't like sequels yeah and that's his baby yeah um, and Bob Gale's baby uh, together I, I just see with him blocking it who would be the director to want to remake you know Back to the Future and that's the thing because it's like in your mind like what would they even do say it's one of those things where because you know they would just set it like it's been 30 years since you know well it's actually been more now we're over 30 years yeah. now since the 86 mm-hmm. idea of when they or 85 when they're in the movie but it would just have to be someone finding Doc's plans somewhere and then it's like oh I'm gonna build this DeLorean maybe it's a relative I mean it would basically have to be that would be the only way you could bridge into making it if you didn't want any of the original but you wanted the idea of I guess basically you're making a DeLorean movie yeah because someone would have to find because the DeLorean's destroyed in the third one someone having to find Doc's plans somewhere and maybe finds photos of Doc in those different timelines going, wait a minute, did this guy actually figure it out? They built a DeLorean. Then it was like, well, then you just go back and you're fixing your own time. Like, it's, then you're just really remaking the same movie. It's like, if you find the DeLorean, then it's like, well, do I go into the future? But then the whole thing that makes that thing is just like, it was a closed idea of fixing your own thing. So it's like, yes, someone smarter than I could definitely figure out but I feel like if you found the plans you build the DeLorean then what I mean yeah then you make your own time. yeah and then you make your own time loop or something but then at that point it's like 
Yeah, I I watched the original. Yeah, it's it's like you could sit a kid in front of the TV, put on Back to the Future, the original Back to the Future. I say original like there's another one. Yeah, <laughs> put on Back to the Future and love it. Yeah, I mean it's it's like uh, Michael J. Fox's performance, Christopher uh, Laurie's performance. All this stuff is very accessible to anyone today. Yeah, and it's just definitely not something that god the music everything I, I i can't see remaking the only way i could see remaking it is um like you know i just recently fox you know remade the rocky horror right in sort of like sanitizing back to the future to like a network television thing mm-hmm. to where it's just like a dismal laughable um you know because you have to understand too like Alright, let's do it. Who's gonna be Marty McFly? Mm-hmm. They couldn't even find Marty McFly back then. Yeah. You know? Get Eric Stoltz. He was only- <laughs> Get Eric Stoltz now at 50 to do it. <laughs> Here's your time to shine, Stoltz. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. it's like, there's nobody who could be Marty McFly now. And that's the thing. I think that's why you would have to Force Awakens it more than a remake. Like, you're continuing some story. Like, I guess you'd have to watch it and find what story you want to do but then you don't want to cross back because then it's like yeah uh, what if it's one of biff's kids finds yeah the smart biff kid finds the plans and it's like well fuck it i'm gonna go back and change my life or something then at that point you're like yeah, i've seen this one yeah it, exactly it's just that that you have to find the motivation of where they would want to go and basically at that point you're just making a time travel movie with a delorean you know what i mean it's just like we made a another one we just put the delorean back into it. it's like all right we'll just make another good time travel film yeah, or the, do something with the train. I don't know. Yeah, that was always kind of weird. I'm still. I rewatched three. I think I mentioned the last time. It's like, it still holds up. It's yeah. still solid. I don't know that train thing just seemed a little weird. The train was like it was. I thought it was cool, but yeah. it was like. But where'd you get the parts? Yeah, like I think that was. <laughs> I was like, how did that? Yeah. Did you make it just enough to get you to a certain point to get parts to bring back, or I don't? And it seemed so big. Why do you need a moving train? Exactly. You know? <laughs> That's what the DeLorean was, yeah. Because it was like this aluminum sort of uh, sleek. Yeah. That could, you know, well, even, he even said, you know, I figured, why DeLorean? He's like, well, I just figured, well, why not, you know, if you're going to do a uh, time travel, why not do it with some style? So, yeah, and it was, and at that time it was easier probably to get that car than to invent. I'm sure people had sketches. Like, it's going to be in a car. Maybe they didn't know the DeLorean right away. Yeah. I'm sure maybe he did, but it's like... Here's sketches. It's got to be a car. I don't know. Because you don't want something that's re- unrealistic to the point where Doc invented a car. Yeah. Or like took an existing car and added components, which is so much smarter than... Because then it would just always... That, I bet the car would look so dated. Like if yeah. he invented the time-traveling car. Like right. You'd watch it now going, oh, that car just it's seems true. so... <clears throat> Whereas like now you can still see DeLoreans on the road, which still then make that movie somewhat valid. No, totally. So... Oh, we should just watch back to the we should. <laughs> I don't fear because I don't care anymore. It's like with Goonies too. Sure, great. Corey Feldman can dance his way yeah. on a skeleton and I'll watch it because I hate myself. But and Force Awakens, great. That was a good one. But yeah. once again, like we said, it's all story. Like you can always make a Star Trek. Because there's always some sort of space story you can tell. But I don't know. I think maybe it'll have to be one of those. Alright, Zemeckis, Spielberg, and Gale are all passed away. <laughs> And then yeah. someone going, all right, well, this is our chance. We yeah, can do it let's now. Do it. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess you could. It's just like, for me, I'm like, make a really good, like, use that as inspiration to make a really good time travel. I, I don't know if it's because it's such a, it's such a iconic movie that I don't know if, if I want to see a remake. Right, because you did it right the first time. Yeah. Like, I mean, yes, people remake it, like, with Ghostbusters or whatever. It's like, well, it was right the first time, which is true. Yeah. I mean, they already made a terrible Ghostbusters. It was called Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> it's like, you did it right the first time. But that one did. Like, Ghostbusters does lend itself to more. Like, it's like, I, I could see that. But, yeah, I would rather see someone come out, with, um, not timeline per se, but, like, Project Almanac. It's like, no, I was inspired from Back to the Future. That's why I made this movie. Great. I liked that film. I'll put it in my... Yeah. You know, next to my fat suit comedies, it'll go into my time travel comedies because I love my fat suit comedies. <laughs> Gotta love you. Yeah, I'd rather see more inspired work. But once again, that's the guy that's pitching at that meeting. We're talking about, okay, I'm inspired by Back to the Future. It's going to be time travel. Here's my rules. Here's this. Hmm. What else you got? Uh, there's a dude in a fat suit that drives a Delorean. Sold it. Yeah, exactly. oh, it's like no one wants the you're smart like, one. You're like holding back that one you don't want to do. Yeah. You're like next, next, next. You're like, oh. All right, I have a fat suit comedy yeah. in my back, which I, I wrote down a funny tagline, and that's all it was. It's like, oh, well, that's it. It's like, yeah, fat suit comedy. Okay, I'll go to the set right now. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Yeah, you just kind of like, I got a fat suit comedy. Keep talking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're like, oh. Because, you know, with uh, uh, all it takes is a, you know, little heart and a big Johnson. Is that all it takes to make a movie now is... Yeah, like, that one, I think that's all they went in with. We had to rock Kevin Hart, need a little heart and a big Johnson. What's the story yeah. about? Does it matter? Yeah, it doesn't matter. You're right. Sold. Yeah. How many how many zeros do you yeah. want on that check? Well, speaking of time travel on The Rock, uh, Southland Tales yeah, is sort that? of a uh, time-traveling movie with The Rock. Ah, two hour mark. Oh. All right. right. We'll talk about more time travel, Almost. more rock, and Southland Tales. Southland. Definitely next week we'll get that, that uh, Southland. Oh, so close because we have, we talked about, you know, pitching. We talked we about just, it. We're a, almost there. It's a big setup. Yeah. Big definitely. setup for the uh, Southland Tales. Off, All right. Well, thank you for listening to Post Apocalyptic. This is Rob. This is John. Uh, until next. <laughs>